and gentlemen, this is episode 9 of Watch Over Talks. Our guest today is Chris Deveria. 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 Yes. Wow, wow. Sounds even better than that. <laughs> so, Thank you. And he is currently the project coordinator of uh, Renew Project, which is a nature restoration project uh, initiated by Otherwise. He is also the founder and lead composer or lead guitarist of Sunyata, which is a kind of a rock band, which also deals with uh, topics like sustainability and philosophy. Bit, yeah. I wrote up for myself that this is kind of the like the nirvana of sustainability. <laughs> and oh, that's interesting. You are involved in many, many green activities around Wageningen. Uh, a couple of years ago you were also involved with the fossil free movement. You are still uh, supporting them somehow, sometimes? I'm, I'm passively supporting them. Um, I was at their event on was that Mo uh, Monday or Tuesday. They had a, a thing on Infora um, uh, about the um, Milieu Defensi Rechtszaak. Mm -hmm. um, Against Shell, the um, the uh, they sued Shell, um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I attended that, and I yeah. um, I also signed yeah. because I think it is important. So for those who haven't uh, looked it up, what was this case actually? The Milieu Defensi. This is a kind of environmentalist uh, group in the Netherlands, and they sued Shell. And they they claim that Shell is responsible for one fifth of the global CO two and all kind of uh, fossil fuel output related yeah output. It was quite uh, interesting to listen yeah. to that talk. Yeah, we we are getting there. And basically, this these are the two two topics what you are pretty much involved in the otherwise and uh, Sunyata. Yes. At the moment, um, yeah, the the main topics. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's stick with that for now. Yeah, sure. There are more things that I'm uh, involved in. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we'll get to that. Actually, uh, you are not from Holland. Are your mm. your parents are from? Uh, what, uh, my my father was born in uh, Glasgow, Scotland. Okay. And I was born in Aberdeen, Scotland. Aberdeen, yeah. Um, it's north north Scotland. Uh, it's on the east coast. Yeah. Um, but it's also not quite in the north, but it's like hundred fifty kilometers up north from Edinburgh, somewhere like. Uh, honestly, I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is, I was born there, but yeah. I'm. Um, really not very representative of, of oh, okay. Scottish people. My mother is is Dutch and was born in Limburg. Um, and uh, I also grew up in Gabon in Africa, actually. Wow. I spent six years there as a kid. Um, and yeah, uh, this has to do with the fact that my, my dad worked for Shell. Hmm. Um, wow. uh, yeah, as, a, as, a, as an engineer. Yeah. So we were in, in Africa for the oil, and uh, I grew up in uh, in a shell camp, wow. um, in the in the jungle. And it was it was really great. I mean, we were you know Shell takes very good care of their employees. Um, we traveled quite a bit. We also um, uh, went to on vacation to uh, 
went to South, South Africa, uh, Kruger National Park. Uh, we went to uh, Canada, went to Florida uh, a few times. Uh, and later my dad worked in Egypt. Uh, so we visited there. Um, I remember diving in, at Hergada and Sharm el-Sheikh, hmm. uh, all these places. Um, so yeah, as, uh, as far as uh, youth goes, it was quite uh, good, at least in a uh, material sense. So I lived in, in Gabon from 1989 to 1996, then came back to the Netherlands. And then we moved to uh, Assen yeah. in the north of Holland, and I lived there for about 12 years. Okay. As I graduated from uh, high school and started, uh, I guess, the Dutch equivalent of college yeah. in Groningen, yeah. I started with Sociale Dienstverlening, which translates as social judicial service. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did feel, I don't know where this came, comes from, um, but I felt like I want to help other people. Yeah. Um, so I found this. And I thought, okay, I'll just do this, but it, it was not a very conscious decision. And within a few months, I realized, like, oh, I'm actually, I was very shy in these days, very insecure. So after, in 2003, I, I started uh, these studies in um, the social or judicial uh, service thing. Um, but the next year, I, I, I felt I had an obligation to study hmm. uh, to my parents. Um, and uh, then I started studying Baukunde in Groningen. Hmm. Or construction, yeah. constructive engineering. It's kind of like with an element of architecture, but it's not really architecture. Yeah. Um, but I, because I was attracted to designing things mm-hmm. and I like to draw. Oh, cool. I like to be creative. It was also around that time that I, I got more and more interested in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And I actually, this is one of the things what I like about Wachama is uh, Mr. Alan Watts over there, um, he, I, um, I got to hear about him and somebody sent me a, a YouTube video in, I think, 2007, 2008. Uh, it's the one, a conversation with myself. And that just really started uh, a lot uh, for me because at, then, at that point I, just, I was just hooked. I started listening more and more to Alan yeah. Watts and it just became like, wow, I was very confused by what he was saying. But more and more I thought like, uh, this is such a different outlook on life yeah. than anything I've ever heard, like either from religion or from hard scientific people or from you know anybody in my environment who doesn't have any answers. So that helped me to, it kind of forced me out of my comfort zone um, and forced me to, to, to look carefully at myself and change things and do things that I really wanted to do because if you don't do what you want to do and you do things that you think you're supposed to do you're never going to do them well um, it's pretty much uh, happens with uh, 95 percent of uh, the population exactly exactly um, and that's why things were, were, were terrible for me for a long time yeah. I so I quit studying uh, this uh, construction uh, stuff in uh, 2000 eight I think and then I started to think like oh actually I feel really passionate about writing music so I decided okay I want to go I live in Utrecht now I want to go to the HKU Hochschule von der Kunst Utrecht 
uh, I didn't get accepted to the school even after three years of trying Um, but I met some wonderful people I learned a lot from the teachers that were there and in 2010 I started this job at Oxio in Hilfsum and I had a manager who was a little bit weird uh, Hmm. but a great guy and also very important to me a, a really important teacher somebody who was able to to trigger me to uh not stay stuck in my comfort zone but to to get out of that and and challenge myself and and grow as a person um and so he had more and more influence and he also encouraged me to take this uh course at that this company was uh, offering um the seven habits of highly effective people Mm -hmm. seven seven copy and um I was very skeptical at first. I thought it would be a pro a program to make me a better worker bee, hmm. you know. Um, and it was really cool that they actually were really, you know, you have to figure out for yourself what you want to do with your life. Nobody yeah. can figure that out for you. It was really, you know, self empowering, and it was like, oh wow, oh I thought this was going to be about the company, you know. Yeah. And I thought like okay well I know I don't want to work here anymore (laughs) and I'm not going to so I was very clear about that and throughout that year I just became more and more confident about like you know I can figure I can find something and follow my own values and not do what society or people around me or my parents or anything are telling me to do and and uh, and it will turn out okay and what did make you choose the Van Hal Ladenstein to do the Rural development well, and innovation. Well, this is what led to that decision. Um, so this was around the summer of 2011. Uh, it was also that summer that I, I, I went to Zentrum in Utrecht and actually finally started to do real Zen meditation. Hmm. And suddenly all the stuff that I've been listening to from Alan Watts started making a whole lot more sense. But um, uh, why did I mention that? Because I asked you, uh, why did you choose the rule? Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. so I was aware of many of the issues in the world. Yeah. And sustainability was something that um, I'd also heard about throughout my youth. Um, um, and I was just, you know, I wanted to, to be a, a positive force in the world. Hmm. Um, so I did look into what are my own values also through the seven habits of highly effective people there's this whole Mm. uh, the second habit is i think it's the second habit um it's about um beginning with the end in mind so you know basically like when you're when you're when you're dead and you suppose you could go to your own funeral what you would you like people to say about you well i would like people to say that i i tried (laughs) So you attended to Van Hal Ladenstein from uh, 2012? Yes, yes. Um, I, I found Van Hal Ladenstein as uh, an option for me. Um, I didn't know anything about Wageningen, uh, other than it was sort of a green place and that's where hippies come from in the, in the hmm. Netherlands. So, hmm. uh, that was sort of my vague image of Wageningen. Hmm. Um, so I went to an open day and uh, from how last I was still here in Wageningen at that time um, and yeah then I decided okay I'll sign up and I uh, started in September 2012 
um, and it was suddenly a totally different world again because I'd been working for about four or five years before that I think um, and then I had to deal with people who were 10 years younger than I was because at the time I was 28 yeah. um, and some of the students were 18 uh, but I also learned that that really doesn't matter very much and that's another yeah. thing that that's in a lot of people's heads like oh oh but you're so and so old uh, it's a it's a barrier if you think mm. like oh oh I'm 28 oh I can't study anymore because I'm too yeah. too old I'm supposed to be 21 when you start studying or whatever yeah. uh, if I thought that I really wouldn't be where I am today and today yeah. I'm quite happy with where I am yeah. you know um, so that's a stupid idea a stupid thought yeah it shouldn't to be to be influenced what other back. other people think about you yeah, 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 or what you think that you're supposed to think about yeah. yourself. Yeah. 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 So what I what I wrote up here uh, because I didn't know that uh, you had this uh, quite international background from mm -hmm. Gabon, and so I I, yeah. I wrote up this uh, this question that uh, you went you spent internship uh, internships in three different worlds. Like I uh, I consider uh -huh. Hungary as a second world oh. country. Uh, yeah. And you also went to uh, California yeah. and also India. Yeah. And it was I don't know how was the the, the time frame of this uh, these three three places, mm -hmm. but uh, Gabon was already back in time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that was so and you were a kid, yeah, so yeah. you had a totally different uh, view on these differences. What mm -hmm. you could see in the first world, the second world. And the third word. Yeah. And uh, can you elaborate on that? Well, um, so if we're talking about Hungary, California, and and southern India, um, gee, I'm I'm not really sure where to start because also my experiences in all these places were were quite different. My okay. reasons for being yeah. there were a bit different as well. Yeah. Hungary was a, was a, was only 10 days. Yeah, okay. We went to Pech yeah. um, and uh, some uh, small villages uh, yeah. in uh, Baranya County. Okay. Um, uh, it was a group excursion with the whole yeah. class and some teachers. Yeah. And we went door to door. We went to, we did interviews with people there. Yeah. Uh, um, and our, our question that we were trying to answer there was how do people perceive that things have changed? Are they, are, do they perceive things that have, have they improved or gotten worse since the fall of communism? Yeah. Yeah. And that was very interesting because most people I think wanted to go back to that time because they had stability then and, um, and things were you know, more, oh, sorry, more level. Um, and yeah, you know, capitalism and some people prospered but most people kind of uh, they didn't know how to deal with the, with the, the situation and as a result there's um, as they say in Dutch so they grew apart and yeah. uh, the community was uh, uh, fell apart a bit and uh, new new the new generation they want to go uh, to where the where the wealth is so they want to go to the, the urban uh, centers yeah. so uh, the future is, uh, is not so good for these small rural areas. Um, and that, I think, is something that's everywhere in the world. Um, 
um, in California, I went to Quail Springs Permaculture Site because the first year of my studies, I heard about permaculture. It was a very vague thing for a long yeah. time. Um, I also watched this documentary, Green Gold, um, and then I went to, to Quail Springs, which is permaculture in the desert, yeah. Mojave Desert, five hours from LA. Um, and I'll, I'm mentioning that because I'll come back to that later yeah, to yeah. talk about reuse. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's hard to say because I didn't really go to uh, mainstream agricultural areas in in California, um, but I've seen documentaries, and you know we all know quite a bit. I think about the United States because there's a lot of media attention, and so. Um, I do know that there are also rural areas in in the United States which are falling apart because of migration and because of uh, lack of uh, support in all kinds of ways. Um, and uh, so that's, I think, is, is the same everywhere. It was actually only a, a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago or something, that um, there's more people living in, in urban areas it's now than in rural areas? Ten, uh, since 2014. Right, yeah, 2014. so just, just four years ago, yeah. uh, for the first time ever in the history of humanity. We never know. Well, probably. I mean, we don't even know the history of humanity. That's, That's true. The mainstream. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, basically... Yeah. What we know. Yeah, <laughs> they say civilization yeah. started with yeah. agriculture, so yeah. if you start measuring from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in India, I did spend quite some time in, in some villages, um, but it was very difficult to connect to people and talk to people, so, um, but I observed a lot. And um, they have, a, a I mean, to me, the, the culture is so difficult, complicated, and, um, and, and rigid, very stuck, certain ways very conservative you mean the, the cost cost system for example yeah although yeah. nobody talked about it when I was yeah. there so I think um, it's just sort of taken for granted or accepted as like well this is the way it is yeah. and um, and uh, it wasn't until later that I that I actually started reading more and more about it and then I saw certain patterns in what I observed in certain people um, and I realized like oh that's also why what they're doing at my internship um, is, is, that's why that's their approach. So at some point I, um, I realized as I was working and I was digging these swales with this kind of, this amamuti as a kind of a, a digging tool that they use there. Um, and a swale is a kind of a, a water retaining trench Um, and uh, I realized I would probably not mind this so much if I was doing this under different social circumstances. Mm. If I was doing this on my own site with friends, people that I feel comfortable with, um, I would I would be so much happier to be doing this work. Yeah. And that's to me um, very important. I I just yeah. am a very social or 
very sensitive person, uh, a very intuitive. Uh, under the right conditions, I can do amazing things. Under other conditions, I'm a, I'm a mess. Okay, Chris, let's talk about the current project, which is Renew. Yep. Is it an abbreviation of? Uh, because I I read some I some read, text yeah. and I I found it. Wow! I thought the Renew is already a good name, but <laughs> then it it made sense that it's a re. What was it exactly? Well, it, the funny thing is, is, is I, I, I didn't realize it was an abbreviation until yeah. just about a week ago, because um, I was just looking at something where we would have ecosystem restoration and Wageningen, ERW, yeah. and then I just had a whole list of different acronyms, and I thought, okay, renew, that sounds appropriate. But it was only recently that I realized like, oh, it's Restoration Network Wageningen. Yeah, cool, awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you had yesterday the kickoff event, basically, yes, yes. or yeah, we know what what I know that uh, it's a initiate it's an initiative from otherwise yeah. because every year there are certain topics what otherwise initiates. Oh, many, many. and uh, and people can start also join otherwise and start to mm -hmm. work uh, on these topics, mm -hmm. and uh, you are kind of uh, the leading figure of, uh, of Renew. You are the most active in, in this uh, project. We're not hierarchical, so okay. uh, it's, it's, um, it's uh, me, Matthijs Kool, yeah. and uh, Jure Zwart. And Jure okay. is also a coordinator for Otherwise. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and I'm secretary for Otherwise also. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about uh, ecosystem restoration. Exactly, yeah. All around, the because the, the message is that Everybody is uh, kind of uh, bitching around that, hey, we have to save the trees, we have to save the bees, right. we have to do this and that, but no one is really taking action. We learn a lot about this stuff, but there is no real practical um, education on these. There are some courses, yeah. but still, I think uh, also, also those who are not 100% following these kind of uh, studies, they would be also like to be involved in uh, yeah. ecosystem restoration. Yeah, uh, um, I can say a little bit about how things got started. Yeah. Um, it really is the result of uh, my focus within my studies on ecosystem restoration, which is the result of um, seeing the Green Gold documentary by John D. Liu in 2013 and then deciding I want to know more about this uh, and I want to know how to do this. This sounds really great, very rewarding I think, uh, very interesting field, uh, many different disciplines come together here. So what is the, doc the documentary about? The documentary is primarily about how uh, John as a uh, filmmaker during the 90s um, uh, somehow ended up in China um, well he's Chinese American so yeah. I think that might be why uh, mm. but um, but he ended up filming the um, government sponsored um, government initiated uh, project for the the Lust Plateau in the north of China which is a huge area which traditionally had been a very like in, in the ancient texts, it's a, it's a, apparently a very productive and mm -hmm. lush very fertile, site, yeah. very fertile area, yeah. uh, about the size of, sometimes they say the Netherlands, sometimes mm. they say Belgium. Uh, I think it's the overall size is bigger than that, but they restored an area about the size of Belgium in, well, since the 1990s. 
by planting trees and by building terraces and doing all kinds of things and involving the local population, involving the farmers. And, uh, and he documented that um, and it changed him as well. It really, you know, he decided, okay, uh, to study ecology after that. And so he's also, um, um, since then, he's uh, started documenting more sites that are similar. And he's, he's really, I think, become a very uh, visible figure and kind of like a, uh, a bit of a spokesperson in a way for this ecosystem yeah. restoration but movement. The, this plateau was totally arid yes in the end because, because of, of uh, linear centuries thinking of, of yeah, industrial of, of or whatever not just industrial yeah. but just 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 poor land management yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like overgrazing and cutting down trees uh, focusing on cash crops these kind yeah. of things um, and that causes land degradation it's just ma land mismanagement yeah. and it happens all over the world yeah. um, happened in uh, like for example in the Dust Bowl uh, in the early 20th century in, in the United States, uh, farmers were cutting down trees in order to be able to plant more monoculture crops. Yeah. And then uh, there was nothing to stop the wind. Yeah. And yeah, all the topsoil blew away. Yeah. So in the countryside, the main, main reasons of soil degradation or uh, ecosystem degradation, we can say is uh, the monocultural plantations and the overgrazing. These are the main yeah. main two. Well, I don't know if it's the main ones, but th but they're definitely huge huge factors. To yeah, but most of the time when they do, uh, yeah, maybe also the oil companies they do some some mm. bad bad stuff. But uh, in general, for example, in places where there is no oil but there is fertile, uh, uh, their farms, yeah, uh, land, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the the mainstream is that okay, let, let's focus on cash crops. Yeah, and there is a very linear thinking of this business model. Yeah, and that's what I and see. And short term, short and short term. term. Yeah. That's what yeah. I see also yeah. in Hungary. I, uh, yeah, I also yeah. Uh, I read uh, a book uh, mm -hmm. from uh, Bia Mollison about yeah. Uh, yeah. permaculture. Yeah, and in the first couple of pages, it was already stated how much is the soil loss, mm -hmm. and then exactly. when I it was so huge amount that I was like. I was flattered, like Jesus. Yeah. But then I looked up the Hungarian Soil uh, Institute and the Dutch Soil uh, mm -hmm. Soil Research Institute, and they had exactly the same numbers, yeah. like Bill Mollison said. And yeah. these farmers, they are actually most of the time active for 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. and they don't see the bigger picture. Exactly. So that's why yeah. we have to. Yeah. Yeah, because because our societies are also focused on short term. Um, establishment I guess um, and um, that was also why Quill Springs was such an interesting place because they were preparing for uh, uh, the next seven generations that, that was their internship that was my internship yeah. in California yeah and they were in the desert trying yeah. to also show that you can change things they weren't so focused yeah. on actually restoring the land acti that actively yeah. but they're a model and they have a lot of courses and so on and that's their main focus. So what did you say? They were focusing on the next seven generations. Yeah, they have wow. a 200-year plan. That's um, a nice initiative. I didn't really, st I didn't get to, 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 to read it, but I heard them, well, we talked a little bit about it, and it's more about like creating values, uh, a value system, I think, that um, that is adaptable to 
uh, following generations and changes and because uh, you have to have some kind of flexibility I think for for whatever may come because you yeah. cannot predict everything yeah but uh, for, example, for example uh, Jeff Lawton is was also yeah. uh, busy with uh, yeah. in in Jordan with uh, yeah he was also at Close Springs yeah I didn't meet him but yeah he, he was, was there, also yeah. there yeah, yeah. so this uh, these are the two main 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 figures this uh, John D Louis and yeah. Jeff Jeff Lawton who are also made some documentaries and quite involved mm -hmm. yeah and yesterday with the opening you had a Dutch guy too from yeah. Africa Wood uh, Grows or what Africa was Africa Wood Grow? Uh, yeah, his name grow. is uh, Roland Bladyfeld. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel more and more that there's a little bit like, um, like ecosystem restoration isn't necessarily a brand new thing. Uh, and there are many different ways to do it. And certainly uh, Jeff Lawton and uh, also Warren Brush, uh, the owner of Quill Springs or the founder of Quill Springs um, and some other people um are those people are more f coming from a permaculture point of view and i think john uh is also more and more uh coming from that side which is very different than the top-down approach of for for example the chinese government but there are also many other projects and metai skull one of the other people with renew um has worked with uh, meta meta for example and has done other uh i I'm not too sure what he's what he's done, but he spent a lot of time in Africa, uh, in different countries, Ethiopia, Sudan, and stuff. Yeah, working on projects. But there. I was I was uh, mentioning this. Uh, um, uh, what is also the Dutch guy's name? Uh, Roland Ladyfeld. Yeah. Because so he was also in Kenya. Because he was there also yeah. yesterday at the opening. So yes. What did he share? So he told the story about how um, in 2005 he did an internship in Kenya, and um, then basically made this plan to um, in his, with his own money and in his own time um, buy land in Kenya together with a partner there and just plant trees and show local population also that they can that they can pl plant trees and and actually restore deserted areas the other thing was uh, was uh, kind of interesting what he, he mentioned in a do in a documentary, I guess he was also mentioning it in the in the speech he gave mm -hmm. that uh, he wants to turn the ecosystem or the even the economy to forestry based economy, right? Right. right? right. Yeah. So uh, he he doesn't do this whole thing as a philanthropist uh, movement. Because he has has to also there's earn definitely the money. An economic incentive, yeah. yeah, and that also attracts other people too, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, with renew, you already uh, focus uh, on places around Wageningen, yes, like at Pau, yeah. and you have also some contacts in southern Europe because also the yeah, uh, yeah, it's very interesting to see that uh, how people. Inf influenced our nature and our surroundings and mm -hmm. we don't have the reference point when we grow up that oh if it's an arid area then we think that uh, it was always uh, arid but yeah. who knows and yeah, exactly. maybe because it was just hundreds of years of overgrazing what you said in yeah. China yeah well you know even when my dad was in Egypt he came back with uh, um, bits of uh, um, a fossilized wood because there used to be trees in the Sahara Desert. Long, yeah. long sure, time ago. Sure, sure. You know. Are you familiar with uh, Graham Hancock's work? 
uh, I know the name, but no, I'm not. Yeah, he is a, he is an English uh, writer, mm -hmm. uh, but also he was an in investigative uh, journalist, mm -hmm. and uh, he he is putting together the pieces of uh, ancient uh, history right. uh, all over the world, also in a, including Egypt. And he was contacting all of these different scientists, and uh, on the Sphinx you can find erosions. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so it means that. Uh, there should have been rain for exactly. thousands of years yeah. around and there was around 9,000 years ago when, when the weather was like that but you know the, our written history starts uh, from 5,000 uh, BC which is less than 9,000 9, years right. back right. so there is some summer uh, gaps <laughs> in our knowledge yeah. yeah well that is a certainly a very interesting topic um, yeah. and uh, what is the, the next step? How was the, 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 the meetup? Were there many people interested already? In well, yeah, it was uh, honestly, it was a very good, uh, good launch. Um, uh, and we, you know, we told our stories and we told, we explained what Renew is. And, um, and I'll explain it again here. Uh, Renew is, uh, is an otherwise foundation project where we want to uh, create a community uh, around this theme of ecosystem restoration because a lot of people here are talking about it uh, but there's not really a platform to get people together and um, what we want to do is also give people hands-on experience because we found uh, that through for example well we found that that a lot of people are needed but they don't have very much experience including international land and water management students for example, uh, they go to Spain or, or uh, Portugal uh, once a year uh, in the master program, uh, I believe, and um, and that's the, the the only practical experience they have, and it's more like consultancy for mm. local people there rather than that they actually learn how to build a, a dam or uh, uh, how to build a, a, a zuni bowl or a swale or something like that. Um, and so they don't have the hands-on experience yet they still are then later in the work field expected to do all kinds of you know all kinds of research and projects and so on um and i've i just felt that from my own experiences in india it might have been tough but i really learned when i did my minor at the university i was able to visualize visualize things and understand on a deeper level why is it important to manage your water and everything yeah. because it's just so much more concrete when you're standing there in the desert in the heat and you need water yeah it's very crucial yeah. it's a totally different story than even reading a book in a cool yeah. classroom in the netherlands yeah or so talking to a, many a scientists that are, are disattached from, yeah for from sure. actually what yeah. they are researching yeah and i think there are a lot of uh, students here also that they they notice that and they want the practical yeah. Um, uh, experiences and, and that's what we want to do so next week we have our first workshop at the Pao mm -hmm. at the Eco Village um, where we will be uh, looking at the erosion that they have there from the mm -hmm. ruins that were dug up yeah. and um, and we'll have people working in groups and con considering different ways and how, how do they tackle it and then we'll have a follow up later and look at like okay well uh, this group did this this group did that um what was successful what was not successful yeah. why and then we actually learn by doing rather than learning by reading or yeah. 
hearing about. And this community would have also a multi-purpose uh, yeah, engagement we, because yeah. people can get who are interested, they can get actual knowledge, mm -hmm. but also in uh, at places where they are needed, where these kind of uh, scientists or experts are needed. If a government mm -hmm. wants to do something on a bigger level or a local community and they need the knowledge, then uh, they can contact yeah, this community. That would be, yeah, exactly. That would be a great, uh, we could be a source of, um, for outside, um, outside organizations and governments and, and whatnot um, to find these people. So it's also a, a portal in that sense, and it's a networking, I mean, it's restoration network. Yeah. Um, so it's a place where people can also connect with each other and find things through each other. And also as it, it would serve as a platform um, for students to present what they've already know. And so you can learn from each other yeah. and, uh, and be listened to by people who are interested in what you, what you want, want to talk about um in this in this field uh and we so you mentioned we're, we are talking to places in portugal and spain uh we are also uh talking to people with the ecosystem restoration camps actually next month um in actually in probably three weeks from now there will be uh we're organizing an event with the people of the ecosystem restoration camps uh, which was an initiative by john d Liu. And maybe we can uh, say I'm the date because i, I yeah uh, it, well there is not a concrete date yeah, yet okay, okay, so it's it's okay. somewhere between the 10th and the 13th of may okay um and john uh will probably also be there hmm. so um it's very important and we will be trying to to to, to find the right people to, to actually go to these places yeah. uh, also in portugal and hopefully we'll grow that also to to other places in greece and um, on the other side of the Mediterranean and Italy and wherever. Yeah, we might also have an excursion to one of these sites at the end of August. Yeah. So Can we get into a bit what kind of uh, fields or topics can people learn about mm -hmm. or is, are yeah, sure. very, very related to this uh, nature restoration because we were talking about grazing yeah. or how to manage yeah. the grazing, rainwater harvesting. Yeah. These are, well, we're still developing all these yeah. things, but uh, next week we'll be talking about the erosion. So understanding the process of erosion and then finding uh, solutions that are appropriate to it uh, on a very micro scale. Um, but then that can be upskilled also depending on what you'll find in the field. Um, we want to do a, a kind of a soil analysis kind of workshop uh, mm -hmm. so people can um, study different types of soils and um, uh, learn more why this is is relevant um, and how to how to actually do it you know how do you use a lot of the tools also how do you make appropriate measurements um, and uh, tree planting is mm -hmm. on the list um, is it also about um, identifying comp composting composting yeah, yeah yeah soil remediation yeah. yeah how do you fix soil in certain yeah. areas um, because what they were doing in India was very different than their approach in California. Okay. Um, they're because of the soil was different or just also, the culture? Also, yeah. Mm. Also, the resources that are at hand are different. Mm -hmm. um, but the nature of the resources might be very similar. And mm -hmm. also, I think in California, they, um, they purchased uh, certain things uh, because there are simply 
organic stores or specialized stores where you can get all this kind of stuff like volcanic ash and hmm. things like this uh whereas in india the um the infrastructure isn't that yeah, yeah. like that so you have to improvise with what's already on the land yeah but but it still works we don't have to have always fancy stuff to exactly, to restore exactly. nature because yeah. it's another yeah. industry yeah. then and yeah. it get it can get again uh, yeah you know exactly. uh, manipulated what yeah. we don't necessarily want yeah. yeah so so yeah these are some of the things that we're we're looking at uh i would also like uh to see if we can develop um more like community uh, community building um um workshops um and how to deal with the social aspects of a lot of these um places um <clears throat> because i feel that in many certainly in many permaculture sites that's an aspect that is um very important and it's not dealt with well enough and it's yeah if it isn't dealt with then you know your group can fall apart uh yeah. you have all kinds of issues that that should have been talked about earlier yeah. and then you know yeah, but, and what do you think uh, is the may the if you see the world that you travel around a bit uh, are the most important mm, targets of this uh, restoration uh, movement if it would be a movement what would mm -hmm. be the if you would have already like 10,000 people who are in the movement mm -hmm. and wanting to uh, plant trees what would be the are that many but yeah yeah but um, around us because mm -hmm. uh, i see yeah. also there is uh, there is a way of uh, prevention mm -hmm. so there is another we can go do a lot in prevention but there is also uh, another field where we can uh, do a lot actually to bring back uh, places where which are totally arid yeah. in the last couple well of it's uh, important to uh, look at many different factors before starting a place um where you would practice ecosystem restoration and that's also something that they're with the ecosystem restoration camps is, is what they're uh looking at uh they found this place in spain with a with a farmer who was open-minded and uh, willing to uh, cooperate willing to have foreign people on his land and uh, and help with these issues um, in order to upskill them for this 600 hectare area I think um, or maybe bigger I'm not I'm not sure anymore um, uh, and that is a site which is degraded um, and there are social and economic uh, difficulties in the area um, related to the degradation of the land but it is also not a full sandy desert like this mm -hmm. the middle of the Sahara mm -hmm. um, so it's a place that's um, I mean and I haven't been there but but the thing is like you can't start at the worst place because yeah. when you start here you also need inputs that match this level yeah, yeah. so your inputs are here and the degradation yeah. is here um, when you start at a, at a place where uh, you're actually just conserving what you already have because it's it's fine yeah. um, then you don't need that much yeah. labor so basically Inputs. what you are saying is 
don't start in the middle of the Sahara Desert, yeah. but start with an oasis. Start, start where it's manageable. Or, or, or where start where the Nile is uh, uh, flowing and build it up. Yeah, uh, on, the, on the gradually on the, on the fringe. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the place yeah. where you can have the largest success. Yeah. Because uh, the so the social part is also uh, very interesting because uh, yeah. I've seen documentaries also about the Jeff Lotus project mm -hmm. in Jordan and also I've uh, visited some uh, uh, thesis uh, defense uh, mm -hmm. where the where the guy was uh, busy with uh, uh, water harvesting in Africa mm -hmm. and uh, the issue was not that there is not enough water because there was enough water but uh, maybe only in once one month of the year uh, yep. that was the equivalent what we have in the netherlands right but exactly. the people didn't have the mindset the resources but most of the time the mindset and the, the basic knowledge to actually do something with that water mm -hmm. they were like fighting against it when mm. it was too much mm -hmm. and then the rest of the year the rest of the the 11 months they were suffering of not having it yeah, yeah. and uh, for us it seems logical but it's also a very long learning process yeah. i guess i don't know how did they ended up mm -hmm. like that that everything just uh, dried out once yeah maybe too much uh, goats <laughs> yeah um i don't know uh, this particular situation but uh, i mean basically principles of, of ecosystem restoration or wa water management in uh, certainly dry land areas is, is you have to keep the water under control uh, you have to keep it in places so that it can infiltrate in the soil and yeah. feed uh, the vegetation that is there and that you would put there with trees for example um, and yeah it's a very very Dutch problem I guess to, to, to have to deal with too much water mm. um, I'm not that experienced with that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a matter of managing your runoff and trying to like, you know, just like in, in, per in permaculture, you have these energy yeah. uh, centers basically where you collect your water and then it goes yeah. to the next place and then it goes to the next place. So you keep it on your land as long as possible. And, um, and also you have to slow it down because yeah. otherwise you create uh, erosion. Because yeah. fast water, it's takes away. It takes away your, yeah, your takes soil. Takes away the soil yeah. and moves yeah. it. Down so basically, the principles are pretty much the same, like in permaculture, but well, but in, in permaculture you are more about uh, designing a garden-like uh, place, and here you have maybe a forest or a meadow what you wanna develop to. A little bit. I mean, there are many different different forms of doing this, and. Um, I would say uh, permaculture, I think, is a much more holistic approach and ecosystem restoration can be done using permaculture, but it isn't necessarily mm. uh, a permaculture approach. My background is very much uh, in permaculture. Yeah. And so that's what I usually grab for. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't really get how how uh, ecosystem res ecosystem restoration is not a holistic that much. Uh, you just put there a tree well, and it already can be labeled like it's ecosystem restoration. Well, yes, you could you could for yeah. example define it that way. Yeah. But permaculture also is is an ethics based approach. Mm. So you have the 
the fair care, no, fair share, people mm. care, and earth care ethics. Yeah. Um, and then you have the design principles. Mm. So, um, and, and that that can be used to do ecosystem restoration. I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. But in my view, yeah. you with the renew, you mm. are also. Uh, the foundation of renew is also on these ethics or these ethical me, yeah. principles. For me, yeah. For I mean, sure. it's uh, whoever is involved in this now. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you a bit, guys. Yeah. You have also the ethical principles. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's just a positive thing to add. It doesn't have to be like oh, you know, we are just yeah. Doing no, the I think ec- it should be there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because for the end, uh, in the end, you are doing it for for the better for improvement for not just for yourself but to make life livable yeah and um and yeah it's also as a as a project uh by otherwise otherwise is about social and environmental justice also social justice so um and ethics are are simply a, a core core part of what otherwise does it's about you know, bottom-up approaches and taking care of, of the environment and of people. And I think that is also something that I, I think will, I would like to see more and more in Renew is, is also not just to renew and restore the earth, but also to renew and restore people yeah. from an inside-out approach. Um, as, was, as is also done at Quail Springs, for example, which is very much about healing oneself yeah. As we By heal the land, also reconnecting with Fukuoka, nature. Yeah. you know, is a big uh, about that. It's about yeah. perfecting, or Fukuoka said, uh, gardening or farming is about becoming a perfect human or something like that. Maybe could be something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good good addition for renew. Like uh, maybe you can say that it's a social and uh, social and nature restoration program. Yeah, or yeah, I think so, because. Yeah. The other thing is that, as you said, also the when you are uh, approaching a certain uh, field mm-hmm. or land, what you want to restore, you also have you are engaging with social entities like people who live there or yeah. some governmental stuff. Or, yeah. But also the reason why the land became arid mm-hmm. or like uh, very deserty mm-hmm. because of the people. Nor- normally, usually, yeah. uh, I mean, most of the time, I think it wouldn't go just one day to another. Uh, no, totally no. right. So there was some process. There, there was some processing going on, ho- maybe for decades or hundreds of years, which were like uh, taxing the land, and it was not based on ethics. It was right. not based on uh, you know like uh, empathy and mm-hmm. thinking about the people who live around. That happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. especially with the uh, cash crops uh, also with slavery or or just to have the the peasants uh, working for you for very cheap mm-hmm. you know these these landlords even we don't just have to think about the last 50 years with the green revolution and uh, all of these chemicals yes. but before that yeah there were already a lot of other stuff with monoculture and yeah and i would say uh ultimately all of this is the result of us not uh being being happy with who we are <laughs> hmm. uh, and not knowing ourselves and not acting out of compassion for ourselves and others 
and the world. Um, so until we, you know, fix things on a foundational, fundamental level, uh, everything that we do is going to be, well, not so, not so great for ourselves, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, the, it's the question of that uh, uh, people who have the choice to actually make the decision because there are still we are living in a hierarchical uh, society yes. so as a as a farm worker you don't necessarily have maybe you are totally balanced with your soul mm. but maybe you don't have the choice to uh, decide about the way of farming on that certain land especially if it's not yours and mm -hmm. if it's tens of thousands of hectares but those right. who are actually above mm -hmm. like uh, the owner mm -hmm. or some bigger companies who are involved in these farmings mm -hmm. they should uh, also uh, think about these principles and if they are happy what they have or not because yeah it's because, it's because you have to think win-win yeah. you can't think win-lose yeah. and neglect your farmers or neglect your 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 workers or whatever or the uh, land what you are working on exactly. yourself For you'll, you'll end up screwing yourself interestingly uh, i met uh, my granny's uh, neighbor okay. is a landlord like he mm. you know he was one of the beneficiaries of the the system change in Hungary so mm. when the, the communism ended he was the director of the uh, state cooperative in that town yeah so now he owns like a couple of thousand hectares Right. of land maybe two three thousand hectares of yeah. land yeah but uh, he is having uh, issues mm -hmm. with his health and right so you would think that oh he's got this guy is wealthy he knows what he does yeah but in the end maybe not mm -hmm. you know he knows certain economical principles what he uh, can use to accumulate wealth mm -hmm. in a way but on the other hand he is not benefiting from the system as uh, as one who could have access to all of the healthy stuff or right so that's that's yeah. the thing like and i see it in many 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 places i was also working yeah. in a in a golf course so all of the rich and mm -hmm. and shooting course so and uh, the the people look like yeah so um, yeah they were drinking smoking a lot so sure. they had access to the yeah. the best of the best but still yeah. they were kind of slave, still trying to slaves. fill that void inside yeah through material and uh, in, in that sense they were they substances. were slaves from of the same system what they are yeah. they supposed to be the beneficiaries of it's very interesting exactly it's and it's quite stupid <laughs> yeah. to be honest um, one yeah. more question what is the next challenge for for renew what is the next challenge what is the biggest step well next week is our first pilot project mm -hmm. our first workshop so we'll, it's very it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes um i guess that's that's the next thing mm -hmm. really that's mm -hmm. the next thing uh, on our agenda and after that in may we'll we'll have this thing with mm -hmm. uh, john john g blue um and just to build more and more uh, workshops and uh, and try to to watch this community grow yeah. um, and to, to make sure that that 
is successful and and becomes a healthy community that's i think the, the real challenge okay and maybe at one point maybe this year it uh, renew uh, will have it, its own entity who knows yeah well um, it's it's kind of um because we are kind of a, a, a separate subdivision of uh, of otherwise i guess mm -hmm. uh we're not really sure what the future holds for that uh we're still kind of discussing what are the what are the uh pros and cons of kind of separating it from otherwise but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll kind of have to see at this moment i can't say too much yeah about that but the, but the plans are are big so if, if we just let yeah it, yeah let it grow mm -hmm. and yeah like, okay yeah for sure yeah. so uh, you are at the same time as mm -hmm. you are involved in at otherwise you are also the leading leading uh does it relate uh, to the to the renew to your artistic side because yeah. I, I read something about that you you also deal with the sustainability as a topic but yeah. without a singer um, yeah exactly so we don't have lyrics yeah um, we have some song titles like uh, life of nature and mind of man yeah. I express a lot of what I do in the rest of my life through the music um, uh, and that's how it came to be this way um, uh, our drummer is um, he is a also a, a media he works in in the media in, uh, in Amsterdam as a, as a, a video engineer um, and he so he edits videos for his for his work um, and 
um, we kind of figured well without a singer we want something during our live shows to for people to grab onto for their uh, with their attention um, um, so we came up with these visuals and mm. uh, we edited them ourselves and uh, and they follow the, the music and we found um, thematically we found a lot of a lot of uh, content um, from like like nature things um, <laughs> nature things hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff uh, like like large cloud formations uh, desert lands uh, dust clouds um, w waves and and um, and also the growth of of, of life basically hmm. seeds and animals and all this kind of stuff and so so in the video of life of nature which this can also be found on YouTube if you google or find a search in YouTube uh, Shinyata life of nature you'll find the uh, the visual video mm -hmm. I think there's also one with the with a live video um, and you'll hear the music with the mu with the video and mm -hmm. kind of see like oh it's a artistic yeah. expression of of the circle of life in a sense mm -hmm. but in a cool heavy metal kind of way wow. <laughs> yeah the experience can be uh, similar like maybe it's a bad comparison but uh, you know are you familiar with uh, samsara the movie yeah where they have these yep. different music and then uh, these mm -hmm. uh, different yeah. uh, shots about different topics of, of mm -hmm. nature but they also uh, show the like the not too nice yeah parts well uh, a big influence on us is uh Kayani Skatsi. okay i don't know if you know that but uh, that was uh, i think during the 70s or 80s uh, this um, also a, a movie that came out or a series of movies um, with uh, music by uh, Philip Glass which is uh, um, just kind of minimalist music a lot of uh, electronic um, stuff very repetitive yeah. but also gradually transforming and, and our music is also kind of trying to be this kind of organic kind of music that mm. gradually transforms um, and takes the listener on a journey rather than being a pop song yeah cool you know so it's a full experience with visual and yeah au audio visual live, experience yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah definitely and it's very very intense and powerful um and uh yeah and so nature is one of our topics but also like a lot of this more spiritual stuff and the issues in the world um are, are featured in our, in our videos okay and where do you uh, perform perform most yeah. of the time yeah. well our next show is also uh, next week on Sunday so I have yeah. a very busy weekend yeah. next week uh, at uh, DB studios yeah. in Utrecht I'm not sure if this episode will be launched that's by then but yeah, yeah. sure but, but that's it, okay. is it in nature uh, or mostly no, it's, it's, it's like I mean, normal uh, setting our normal our concert setting yeah it's and, a normal yeah. concert setting but in like like fairly small venues uh, yeah. like Aku in Utrecht uh, we yeah. played in Loburg uh, three yeah. times in Wageningen, we're also playing on May 5th hmm. at the Cabal am Gemaal stage hmm. here in Wageningen. Um, yeah, we played in Amsterdam, we played in um, Antwerp once, uh, also in a, in a kind of like a, a rock bar kind mm -hmm. of place. Um, but we are growing and... Uh, How is your relation with your fans? Um, positive? <laughs> Do they get the, this message get of, of nature? They I think so. I yeah. think so. Um, it's 
it's difficult because I mean we didn't like have them fill in a questionnaire or something like, yeah, oh, yeah. do you get it because so, so we talked so, to some people yeah. and they they like they really like the visuals and they and yeah. they really like the music we actually um yeah so I mean we, we managed to get on May 5th by winning yeah. the uh, Loberg uh, show in yeah, cool. February um and yeah we yeah I guess if people didn't like it then they wouldn't have had us win <laughs> hmm. nice uh, yeah because with a with a rock style it's difficult to yeah. imagine you know you you yeah. see these videos with Vivaldi and mm -hmm. the spring and the four right, seasons right, and right. stuff yeah, yeah. and the yeah. flowers are coming yeah but yeah, it can be interesting so people mm -hmm. look it up for sure yeah it's a definitely a different experience the other thing also of not having a singer is also that we don't have one person in the spotlights we don't have yeah. ego well we have some ego bullshit but yeah. uh, uh but it, it's still we're all four of us on the same level yeah i've heard that that uh, that it can be difficult with the singer as a as a yeah 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 it's a different kind of musician yeah so they're always kind of on their own anyway anyway um that's that's i think everything i could say about the band at the moment um another topic is uh i'm also uh, we're also working on mushrooms okay um i last year i did my thesis on uh, uh, shiitake cultivation on on logs i did um, a thesis report uh called costs and benefits of uh, log-based mushroom cultivation in the yeah. netherlands and i basically did a kind of a case study of four farmers here in the netherlands who uh, professionally um, inoculate oak wood logs with shiitake plugs yeah. and um, and either sell the logs as edible wood ate per hout um, yeah. for instance Pip Gilmore of Gunetakan in Doetinchem and you can buy them at the Hogeborn for example yeah. what uh, was the initial question of the thesis that was something interesting the main question was um, what are the co oh, oh it wasn't it wasn't it was not just about the financial costs and benefits, yeah. but also like the 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 less easily quantified co costs and benefits, or at least mm -hmm. benefits. And and so I did that in terms of ecosystem services. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, and this year I actually started um, with uh, two other guys to actually um, with a hundred logs to inoculate these. Um, and we had our first workshop two weeks ago, or well. The inoculation workshop uh, at, at also at Pau, so we have yeah. 100 logs there, um, and it takes uh, over a year and a half for the log to get colonized, mm. and then they're ready to, to fruit, and you can get the first mushrooms. Mm. So maybe so it we'll can be goes. also part of the renew at some point. Maybe it can merge a little bit. I'm not really sure how because it's not something that I think can be done so easily in desert mm. areas. Mm -hmm. uh, because the conditions under which the logs have to be kept are are quite uh, humid. Yeah, they have to be. Um, well, yeah. the The thing that matters the most is that the um, um, wood moisture uh, content is yeah. is at a certain level. Because when it gets under twenty five percent, the um, the shiitake uh, uh, fungus uh, dies. Mm -hmm. So it has to stay at a comfortable forty percent. Yeah. Um, and so you need a laying yard where the logs can be kept most of the time. And we found a really nice place in the forest here um, with some bamboo around it. Um, so it's it's out of the wind and it's out of the, mm. the sun. 
uh, it's a very nice shaded area and um and it's just kept relatively cool and 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 humid yeah yeah um and back a little bit to the uh, ecosystem restoration yeah uh, wouldn't you think that it would be also an idea to approach not just already uh, arid lands like in spain mm -hmm. or in the mediterraneans but also what i see for example where we live in, around wageningen and around the randstadt is everywhere houses and buildings and sure, factories yeah. but so we have this feeling of crowdedness but if you go up north to the netherlands or mm -hmm. to the south yeah it's like huge lands and also in in uh, northern france mm -hmm. in germany in hungary where i'm from yeah you see these enormous thousands of hectares of mm -hmm. lands without even a tree in between yeah and but the soil is still still good they harvest mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. but maybe there's uh, the prevention aspect can right. be even more highlighted yeah. and yeah. they these areas because they are still very fertile yeah and if they go arid then yeah we really have to uh, figure out some some stuff yeah i mean the, the, i think the i'm not sure what the latest uh, climate change uh, models are saying but uh, but yeah i mean the, the the deserts are advancing you could say um, um but the thing uh, the thing about renew is that um and, and i agree there should be projects for this but uh, the thing about renew is not that we will actually be uh setting up our own sites uh, but we would connect people with these sites and bring them there to work on specific um, issues that these places are dealing with and then if you have a for like two or three weeks if you have a group of 20 30 people yeah. there to help on a specific site like to, to build a dam or to build some kind of catchment yeah. area that can help a lot um, and the people can learn and the site can be be helped uh, so if there's if there's a place that's willing to work with us um, yeah. so you are open Germany for that too yeah. Yeah. yeah sure of course yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we will be looking also at places outside of Wageningen yeah. uh, once we are a bit more uh, solidly uh, yeah. uh, funded, founded. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned that there is another, or there are other sites besides uh, Pau, mm -hmm. what uh, can be possible places yeah. around Wageningen. For instance, the Creative Garden, yeah. next to the Hof Farm, and the Student Farm. Uh, there are, we're, we were talking also to Case van Fedu, who's um, got a project coming up, I think later this year, like in the next school year, I think, at the student, Antugendawa uh, student farm. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some places that we're looking at. There are also other sites, maybe at the, like at the Uitabare, I think we can, we can maybe see if, if I guess the municipality or the Waterschap or something. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, deal with that area and, and maybe we can talk to them about like hey can we have some kind of a workshop here because of course you know understanding how the river works yeah. is and how the, the floodplains work that's a system that is relatively stable and you know why isn't that eroding well there are many reasons why um, yeah. come to our workshop and find out yeah okay uh, you know so be cool to, to look at these things and look at what we have in the area, but yeah. also outside of Wageningen. Um, 
So you, you, you would uh, say that uh, you can also offer extra hands-on experience for those who are into gardening and already familiar with many, many yep. basic yep. stuff. But yep. you, as an addition, uh, there yep. is uh, much more to learn mm-hmm. about the bigger system yep. than a garden. Yeah. And I mean, that that's also the thing with, with practical learning. I think it's you can't do it too much. Hmm. You know, it's just like learning guitar. You can't learn a a scale by playing it one time now you have to do it 5,000 times yeah. before you know it yeah. and the community as- aspect is also important for sure so yeah. I guess uh, it's also healthy like happy people. healthy happy people nice yeah. having fun yeah by restoring having it. fun and learning and doing good work yeah okay sounds good yeah okay would you like to and any, anything else? I, I think uh, we pretty much uh, hit all the topics. So, um, no, I'd like to enjoy the, the weather. Okay, <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, thank, thank you, you for much. being here yeah. and say hi to the people. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ciao, ciao.